Hi, it's Dan Leonard, the home voiceover studio master and president of World Voices, world-voices.org. We're going to talk about home studios, about Wovo, about the voiceover industry with Paul Castro Jr. on Points of Experience podcast. You got to listen. Not only is he the best at home studios, the master, as he very correctly put it, of home studios, he has one of the most masterful mustaches in not only the business, but the world. Dan Leonard, uh, you'll find out a lot of kind of how we got hooked up together and how integral and important my consults with him were to me starting my business out here in Los Angeles. I, for those of you who don't know this at this point, you know, I started out in New York City and I think even I had sent something to Dan when I was in New York working out of my closet in Harlem, very busy. And he basically said, this sounds great. Whatever you're doing is is wonderful. And having that kind of cosign from somebody who is doing this for the best of the best gave me such assurance to say, all right. Stop worrying about all the gadgets and gizmos. Worry about the acting now. So many people have to worry about the technological aspect of things because they're starting out from scratch or they have a lot of elements they're dealing with or, you know, the microphone's in the wrong place, blah, 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 blah. Once you've passed that kind of point and you've gotten the sign off to say, all right, you're good to go. Now you can just focus on the acting. And that's what Dan gave me the freedom of. He also helped me out here. He's been a, a, a great influence in my career and life, and he's got a ton of amazing things going on. So stick around. We've got Dan Leonard, the home voiceover studio master, coming up for you on the Points of Experience podcast. Dan, hello. Paul, it has been a while. Great to hear from you. Likewise, it is great to hear and see you. I'm I'm actually super surprised right now because I, I'm specifically wearing... A Hawaiian shirt for you and because not, you are. Yeah, I was wearing this, one this morning, but you know, it seems so bizarre that I am wearing one and you're not. I wore this just for you, though. So yeah. since I, I knew I you, I thought were it was on. just a podcast. So you know, <laughs> I was actually going to come in with a wife beater on. But you know. <laughs> listen, that so long as we're clothed here. Yeah, that wouldn't be pretty. No, 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 no. My gosh. So how how have you been? It's been so I little quick story here. I when I moved out here to LA in 2020, one of the first people I reached out to was you. You came to my room here that I am still in and you helped me kind of assess my home studio and you were gracious enough to invite me onto VOBS. Uh, voiceover body shop which is one of the the best podcasts that i could recommend for anybody interested in voiceover and we're going to get into a lot of that stuff and um we met there and we've stayed in contact since but um yeah it's been probably i guess two years at this point Where since i've moved time here go really i don't know i wish i could know so i could stop it from going there because it, it's it just go i i was laying on my couch earlier and it said it was 404 I sw- shut my eyes and I opened them and it said 414. I was like, there's no way. So maybe time is actually going faster. It actually is going faster. It so is? Go figure. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. The, the earth is speeding up, according to somebody who I was talking to the other day. Oh. But guess what? As you get older, 
it just goes by faster and faster. Ah, okay. Well, I'm going to have to hold on dearly because I'm trying to not let it go too fast because I um, (laughs) I love sleep. Enjoy it while you're here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we all should, as we all should. Uh, So, Dan, life, what's going on? What's been new? I mean, we have so much cool stuff to talk about, I know. You've got some cool stuff cooking up. I want to get into a little bit about you, but uh, life-wise, health, how's everything going? Uh, Been busy, been good. What's what's been new? Any new hobbies? What's what's been going on in your life? (laughs) since we spoke last oh my goodness well i mean aside from the pandemic and uh you know been doing a fair amount of traveling uh, been to iceland been to france um you know going to morocco this fall uh you know my wife and i decided eh, let's travel heck yeah so uh so we are uh but i've i've taken on some responsibility and backed off on others uh, i mean we've been doing voice over body shop for 11 years now if i what? i can't even believe that i mean we were doing it before people even knew how to do it and george <laughs> Whitman and i had to figure it out and we, and we did um and that's been going very very well um you know we just had a great show the other night with our, our good friend mark cashman who uh was gracious enough to give us 10 tips on on, on voiceover performance. And uh, I keep getting voice work. I don't have to work really hard to get it. They just keep sending me stuff. I'm like, okay, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I've been working with Pandora, which is now owned by Sirius XM Radio. And, you know, they send me stuff every now and again, which is really nice. Not an easy gig to get into. You really have to, uh, you have to be good at specific skills, you know, radio production skills and doing things mm. the way they like. And having formerly been a production manager, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I know how to do that stuff. Uh, and they appreciate that. And uh, and then I became president of worldvoices.org, uh, the Industry Association of Freelance Voice Talent, which is quite a challenge because it has a lot of moving pieces. And uh, I've decided to, you know, really pushed the organization where I wanted it to go in the first place when we first started it uh, 10 years ago. Uh, me and Dave Cavassier and Dustin Ebaugh and Chris Messaletsta started uh, Wovo in 2012. And the idea was, well, we need an industry association. Of course, everybody's like, well, we have to have voiceover club. It's like, no, you need an industry association. What you want is the ability to let the people who hire us know what professional voice acting is. Mm. And, you know, that, you know, we've invested in our equipment, we've invested in training, and we've invested in our business and marketing and promoting ourselves. And we're good voice actors, uh, which is, you know, a rare talent. Everybody thinks they can do it, but not everybody can. Uh-huh. It, you know, it's sort of like podcasting, as I like to say. Just because everybody can doesn't mean everybody should. Absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you got to have something to say, uh, something important that you want to get out there. And um, but we we try to we've been reaching out to uh, to other industry associations that are related to voiceover, e-learning uh, guilds, uh, companies that produce e-learning material. Uh, producers of documentary stuff. I mean, there's just so much stuff that has to be produced these days. Mm -hmm. And having a professional voice actor do the voice work for those people is really, really important. So our philosophy is, is that a rising tide floats all boats that 
if if somebody goes out there and gets booked on a gig from a demo they did in somebody's studio that they could never reproduce and their studio is not very good, it makes everybody look bad. Mm-hmm. And it makes it hard for people to get hired because the producer, ah, it's, people at home studios are all a bunch of amateurs, you know, mm-hmm. like, like they know what they're doing. Um, so we're we're trying to promote the fact that people need to be involved in an industry association, know what the latest news is, what are the 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 issues that are affecting the voiceover community. Uh, right now, one of my prime focuses is talking to producers uh, of all sorts of audio material to tell them that AI voices, you know, it might be convenient and it might be cheap and it will make your stuff boring. Uh, they keep saying that, you know, oh, no, no, the technology is fabulous. It can totally emulate the human voice. No, it mm. can't. You know, you and I know when we look at a word or a sentence or a phrase, we have thousands of choices that we can make that a computer cannot in trying to emulate my voice. Mm-hmm. So people who are like selling their voice as, you know, a, a licensed voice, eventually they're going to they're putting themselves out of business, I think. You know, yeah. there, was a, there was a post by J. Michael Collins this morning who was also talking about that. And he and I are totally on the same page. It's, uh, you know, it's inevitable that it's going to come along. It's going to cut out the low end stuff that nobody cares if it's boring or not. You know, insurance yeah. company compliance videos, uh, th- things like you know, medical compliance, um, you know, anything that, you know, that nobody really cares if it's really exciting. It's just content that people have to get. Or, or observe for for continuing education credits, things along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but it takes a human to make it work. I've been talking with uh, the e-learning guild of America. I've uh, been doing a lot of other podcasts and talking to the people that produce other material. And it's like, hey, look, how do you work with a professional voice actor? Well, one of the things you need to do is write for the spoken word, not the written word, because... If you have to stick to, you know, non-compound words and not using contractions and things like that the way we do when we normally talk to other human beings, mm-hmm. it just starts to sound very stilted. And that's why you need a professional voice uh, talent to do that kind of stuff, especially one with a really good studio that's always going to give you quality audio. So uh, that's. So, in other words, I've been really busy with this kind of stuff. I hired a public <laughs> relations person who's been, you know, who's been, you know, shopping me around to a lot of different podcasts and publications, and she's doing a great job, which is something that you know I've wanted to, ha- we've needed to do with with World Voices uh, for the last ten years, yeah. Um, but we just really didn't know how. So once I became president, I said, let's hire a pro. You know, we have the resources to do certain things. So we hired a bookkeeping firm to take care of our our books that specializes in small not-for-profits. And I hired a a public relations person. And now all those things that I wanted the organization to do are getting done. You know, that's amazing. That's so uh, well, first of all, congratulations. This sounds like uh, not only a tremendously important thing to be available for a lot of voice actors, but also really important for the people producing content in the industry to have an understanding and affiliation with uh, 
people who are holding themselves to the highest standards because there's nothing worse than like you said uh, a bunch of voice actors who don't have the <laughs> kind of like the bare minimum of what's required for things to be considered professional and broadcast quality exactly. you know the more people have uh you know hire people that don't have this quality it's like well why am i doing it the way i'm doing it you know and then there's that's where we start seeing people say i'm just going to use ai i'm just going to do this the automated way and then that de- devalues and depreciates everything of what people who take their craft seriously do so exactly it exactly. sounds amazing what uh, what are some of the kind of for anybody who is is new to wovo i believe is the acronym pronunciation of of the way it's going what mm-hmm. it, what is some of the like is this something that somebody should look to to join as a member or get hooked up on the newsletter, yes. follow on social media? Yes. <laughs> what are the steps someone should be doing to kind of get involved and understand more of what your your mission statement is? Uh, well, the mission statement's pretty much what I what I've said. You know that we are there to enlighten the public and to and to act as a guild and really help people. You know, we have a mentoring program. We've got lots of webinars that we've got, you know, video of. We socialize. Community community is very, very important. We have weekly uh, weekly chats, actually several chats a week, uh, a worldwide one for people all over the world and uh, a lunch break one that we do. And we just, you know, throw out voiceover subjects and people talk about it. So mm. that's that's really cool. One of the, the one of one of the really good benefits that we have is uh, a, a website called voiceover.biz, which is a searchable directory of all of our professional members mm-hmm. uh, with their profiles, all their demos. Uh, you know, so someone can do a, t- a, you know, a, a search on a specific type of voice for a certain type of genre. And the people that perform those who are vetted professionals, uh, professional members of our organization, their their demos come up and their profiles and their contact information, just like with the pay to plays. Mm. Uh, but we don't act as a middleman. We don't interfere. We just provide the platform for people to present themselves. I've always had the philosophy of let your demo and let your voice do the talking, uh, you know, and and then, you know, not have other people like pushing you and, you know, that sort of thing. Voiceover is an entrepreneurial freelance business. Mm. Uh, now, there are people like you that have been, you know, doing you know network productions and are members of the union, and you, you know you're able to do all sorts of cool stuff. The majority of voiceover stuff is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great work if you can get it, and when you get it, it pays really great. And if you you, you latch yourself onto a nice. Uh, gig that's going to last a good long time you ride the wave yeah but people making a living at voiceover who are not mainline hollywood actors or have lots of stage uh experience or on-camera experience they're doing the e-learning and the audiobooks and the majority of the material that's out there uh, and they need representation and agents don't look for that kind of work. Mm. They say, you know, it doesn't pay, you know, a million dollars. Well, no, if it did, everybody would be trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is everybody seems to be trying to do it, thinking they're going to make a million dollars. But yes. you, know, you and I know that's not the case. Um, but there's a lot of people who are, you know, recovering podiatrists and recovering uh, you know, acupuncturists and yeah. IT people and stuff. Lawyers, like, oh, yeah. I should go into voiceover. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's it's an it's a profession. It's a skilled profession, 
and the people that hire us that you know need a voice need to understand we're not paving contractors uh that we're not trying to you know out you know outbid each other for the the lowest price you know and race to the bottom we're professionals there are standard rates out there that people should adhere to and they should stick to their rates do we tell people what the rates are no, that would be collusion. But mm. people know what those are, and we all need to work together to maintain those rates. Um, so, and there's a lot of other issues that are floating around as well. Uh, technology, you know, we fought against ISDN for a long time, and it sort of died its own death. You know, <laughs> ten years after we said, you know, you really should be going to some of these more <clears throat> online and internet-based uh, uh, protocols for for, for doing studio to studio communication and, and remote recording and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and now they're finally doing it. So what are, what are some of the things both as a voice actor and somebody who has a home studio that you would classify as them being a professional? What are the benchmarks that people need to have for both of those to separate them from what is not considered professional? Well, when somebody applies, they apply, you know, the membership fee is $99 a year, no matter what. Um, and then you get vetted. And our crack membership staff really looks at each application. And we have a couple of parameters that we're looking for. One, do you have a web presence? Do you have a website? Do you have demos on there? Um, you know, we like to say, do you have, do you have a... a uh, a, a foot, an internet footprint. <laughs> um, we want to see that this person is an actual working professional, and what qualifies them as a professional after that, we put it down as five paid jobs in the last thirteen months. That was not your grandmother's answering machine. <laughs> not my, not my own answering machine either, right? Yeah, that doesn't count. No, you can do your own answering machine, <laughs> and no one's stopping you from doing that. But. Um, and, and there's a number of other things, but yeah. we find that that is the standard for what is, a pro if somebody gets hired, you know, five times, chances are they know what they're doing. And, uh, so that's, that's, those are the, those are the criteria. If they don't qualify for that, uh, then they become an associate member and we have an educational process and people can reach out and we have a mentoring program, uh, that we're, you know, constantly building. And, you know, so it's it's a great thing. One of the most important pieces, though, here is that we are a not for profit. We are not. There's a lot of voiceover groups out there. I mean, if you go on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff, yeah. uh, they are there to sell somebody's products. Oh, we're we want to get everybody health insurance, except they can't. Um, and they're they're pushing the idea of, well, you know, this person's trying to promote this type of work that they do, and this person is promoting their educational material, it's got nothing to do with community and really getting th any, any together. They present it that way. We actually do. Mm. Uh, we actually do socialize, and we actually do work together. Uh, you know, there's a lot of referral work and networking that goes on within the organization. And uh, we have a big conference coming up in May in Orlando, WovoCon number seven. So that's going to be, a, you know, we're, we've all missed each other. I mean, we always have a great time at WovoCon. Yeah. Um, Where is that going to be located? Is that going to be? In Orlando. Orlando, great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we used to do it in Vegas. Everybody complained about the smoke and the noise. And we're like, <laughs> all right, let's go to Orlando and at least try that. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. And we also have something else that's coming out right now, and that's a demo player. 
uh, that allows you to uh, upload all of your demos and you get a, a link that just throws your, your demo player that can be customized to the colors of your website on your website. There's also a URL link that you can put on your, your, your stationary, you know, your station head digitally. So people just click on that and can hear your demos right off your emails. Uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the benefits of membership, whether you're a professional or uh, an associate. Only professionals can be on voiceover.biz. Uh, so, you know, people should go over there and check it out and see how that all works. That's that's so amazing. And also the it's funny because the I know there have been players where you can upload your and obviously things like SoundCloud and Spotify, whatever, however you want to host your your demos have existed. But I've also found the ones that have been like tailored to voiceover in the past have not been really great for website integration. And so right. that's really great that you guys are doing that because it's. Uh, any any kind of barrier, like even if you go to certain people's websites on SoundCloud, it says like, do you want to view here? Or like it brings you to this link and then you can't find everything. And anytime you create those like layers of complication for somebody in casting or a production company, you've already kind of ruled yourself out if they've got another 300 people to go through. So that's amazing that that's what you guys are working on. And is that going to be, so when you sign up, um, as a even an associate or as a professional member, you'll have access to that uh, yes, software. You, it, yes, you get you get access to that. You can uh, we send you an invite. You you register at that particular site, and and then you customize your demo, and then you're given you know you know a frame code, you know HTML code that you just put into your website, and and again, there's also just the URL that you can you know hyperlink on your on your email or whatever, you know, whatever digital content you produce. Are you guys also going to be offering uh, classes or training workshops or things that are, or workout groups or what are some of the, the educational aspects of Wovo that are going to be there? Well, we're, that's what we've been doing all along. I mean, we've always had webinars during the pandemic. Uh, Dave Cravasi and I set up the distinguished speaker series and we had uh uh, 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 Thompson uh, uh, on Thompson. Oh, what's his name? We all know who he is. And we had uh, uh, Thompson Shanny, Janny, or no? T uh, Thompson Coleman. Coleman, gosh. Who is who is great? Uh, yeah. And Harlan Hogan, and you know we had a few other people that were we lined up, and then the pandemic happened, ended, and it's like, all right, we'll 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 save these for for another time. But the, <sighs> all the videos are there, and the talks were really really good. But we also have a bunch of webinars that have been been going on, you know, international uh, discussion of how to work the international market. Um, you know, I've done one on home studios. There's great material out there, but we're we're really building our mentorship program. People can, you know, find a mentor, somebody who can work with them in a specific area of voiceover. Um, you know, for, you know, for on a limited basis because you know we're professionals and we all work full time. But we do have a, a, a structured mentorship program that people uh, should take advantage of. That's so important, and that's, I think, a part that's missing from a lot of those Facebook groups or anything else is, is there's obviously an outlet for people to ask questions, but there's a lack of uh, actual – not necessarily um, – 
in investment in the person that you're working with, but it's it's a it's a very easy platform for for you to be harshly criticized a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, tell me about so it. So <laughs> I think having a mentor, which is something that I've always preached in the entertainment industry, I do mentoring with my alma mater, NYU, all the time, and I work with students there. It it allows people to have confidence and uh, to, to to feel like they have an actual link into the industry and someone who knows it. It's like this person's investing in me, and they're right. they they want to help me and see me grow and see me succeed. I think in these uh, artistic ventures, extremely competitive as they are, there is a portion of people who truly see it as a competition rather than like a relay race and it's very unhealthy to see it that way so i think mentors are a phenomenal way of doing that people who are working in the business if you're a professional and you're working with an associate or you know a vice versa however you want to phrase it that's amazing and i think to me that alone uh if i was interested in getting into voiceover which a lot of people who listen to this podcast are you know people who more than likely are coming at this from like i want to be in video games or anime or animation and don't realize to have a full career, there's so many more branches to like what everything you said in the beginning. You know, the majority of people are looking at things like e-learning, audiobooks, commercials, promos, all that stuff. And uh, having a mentor who can help you navigate that path is very, very important if you're interested in getting in VO today. Yeah. And we've got some people in our organization who are, you know, in, you know, in our mentorship program who are just you know, top notch people. Uh, yeah. You know, good educators. They care about people. And you don't really hear that much, you know, in, in the voiceover business. It's there's a lot of, uh, like I said, there's a lot of marketing going on. And, yeah. Uh, and and I have a real problem with a lot of people that do a lot of marketing because they tend to try to create voice actors in their own image mm. as opposed to the individual you know, really trying to get people to exploit what is what is unique about them? That's what sells. That's that's really what, what casting people look. I've heard this person read this stuff. You know, 20 people read it the same way. Yeah. Why does this person do it differently? And and then, of course, learning the entrepreneurial nature of it, being able to do bookkeeping and marketing and all those other things. And, you know, you might find a webinar here. You might find a webinar there. But if you've got an organization of a bunch of professionals that all have these different skills, that's a good organization to be to be part of, along with the the outreach we do to the to the general public and saying, hey, voiceover is a profession. Mm. Treat us that way. Yeah, too many people, the amount of times I've heard somebody say, I want to make quick cash or do this as a side hustle, and that's fine and great for everybody, but in order to to have a successful, long career doing voiceover, you must treat this like a business like anything else in the world, and that's an investment in your yourself and the time and your training and the resources you're going to accompany yourself with, whatever. Um, and I mean, even being a part of a guild or an organization to, says to a pers- prospective client, I'm taking what I'm doing seriously. And, you know, there are marketplaces like Fiverr that exist for a reason, and you're going to get what you pay for there. And that's something I think a lot of people are combating against is the devaluing of what a lot of voiceover has been subjected to because of those type of marketplaces where rates can be, you know, a dollar. But at the end of the day, if you're a professional and you're showing that your standard of quality and the people that you stand with and the people that you're recommending work at a certain caliber, how are you differentiating yourself versus that $1 value versus that hundreds and thousands of dollars value? It's, uh, again, a rising tide raises all ships, uh, the strength yep. in numbers type of scenario. So I really, really appreciate what you're doing and everything that 
Wovo, I guess, is 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 now really pushing forward to um, make make a statement about the voiceover uh, industry because it's um, it it can be it, it very much could have been and can be in danger if people don't start saying like we need to uh, stand with each other and and uphold Absolutely. the quality we are putting out there. I totally agree. Amazing. So I want to take a step back here real quick sure. and obviously and, and get to know a little bit about you and then get into a little bit of VOBS stuff and how you got into making the podcast, becoming a voice actor um, and, and where all of your knowledge for this stuff became, where you became an entrepreneur and how all of this stuff started. I I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you grew up on the East Coast. I want to say if you didn't grow up and you lived in Buffalo at a, for a period of time, am I remembering oh, correctly? Oh, for only for 58 years. Yeah. Only 58 years. <laughs> great. Yeah. Thrilled to be going to the Bills-Rams game tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <so> great. <laughs> I haven't seen the Bills play in a while. You know, like, this is our year. You know. Yes, yes, Bills. Um, yes, go Bills. Yeah, yeah. no, I grew up in Buffalo, uh, which was a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, But when you get older, uh December, January, and February can get kind of kind of weird in the Northeast. Quite brisk. <laughs> it's a little bit more, you know. In contrast to what is it in my backyard? Right, that's 103 in my backyard yeah. right now. So it's probably the same in yours. Um, 106. It's reading, but you know, okay, wait, we're getting far, through it. You're farther. You're farther west. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I grew up there. I, you know, I. Did all the things that everybody else did, but I played hockey. I got involved in theater. Uh, you know, wanted to be, you know, wanted to get into broadcasting. Went to college, studied broadcasting first at Bowling Green State University, and then back at uh, Buffalo State College, which is a New York State college. And everybody knows the the SUNY system. It's just a great system. Uh, got a great education there. Uh, once I graduated from there, I went into radio and spent twelve years in. In radio, as you know, an on-air jug, you know, hey, it's twenty-eight degrees out there right now, and uh, <laughs> you know, lake effect snow warning. Um, and uh, you know, worked my way into management. Uh, was a production director, made lots of commercials, uh, worked at a lot of different stations, and uh, and then got out of radio. Uh, once I was a station manager, it radio and I just sort of parted ways in 1991 mm. and uh you know i went in the insurance business for a while which was very educational great preparation for doing voice work because it's it's point to point face to face uh direct marketing yeah you know, uh you know getting you i i know you don't want to talk to me but you know throw the phone down <laughs> broke several phones while while doing that but it was good training for that and i did okay at it um and then uh my my mother in law uh, said, "You know, you're really good with U.S. history. Why don't you go back to school and teach?" Mm. So I went back to school, spent a year and a half getting my New York State teacher certificate, which is like a whole other degree, and uh, immediately started teaching at a, a couple of public schools in uh, Western New York, and just loved teaching. Loved teaching American history. Uh, the thing that got me hired, though, was the fact that they had just built a a closed circuit TV system in the in the school district and had no idea how to do anything with it. And they're uh. like, well, we see you have a background, but can you get us build us a you know a TV studio? I'm like, yes. And in two weeks they had a TV studio. So, you know, and on the cheap, but I showed them, you know, here's how you do TV. The greatest part about that was 
several of the students that I worked with all went on to careers in broadcasting. Amazing. You know, and they and they come, you know, I would run into them. Oh, Mr. Leonard, I was, oh, that was a great class that you taught. And you taught me how to do this and that. And, you know, and I was able to move on. Also, you know, turning them on to the Marx Brothers, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, was something that you know, well worth made the whole thing worth it. Yeah, well worth um, the entire experience to get exposed to that. <laughs> right. And and then, you know, I it's a long story why I left uh, education, but, you know, we'll stay out of that. But I, yeah. I, I, I got out of that, found myself as a stay at home dad in 2000, uh, 2001 and started uh, I had I was finishing my master's degree and I had to do a project on something and the his chairman of the history department who was would be thrilled to get rid of me uh, said hey do you do video work I'm like well yeah and he threw me this project that had been done about a um, a local jazz musician uh, I mean and it's a great story and some people have heard this story they should hear the documentary that we made out of it uh, but I found that I couldn't do a video documentary because there wasn't enough stock footage of of uh, the Harlem Renaissance and stuff. It was all stuff that wasn't related to what this particular individual was doing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm like, well, wait a second. He was a he was a, a piano player and arranger. And but he also had another great backstory. He was in the original cast of Porgy and Bess. Mm. He worked with Gershwin. And then by, you know, certain circumstances, the story goes on. He ended up in Buffalo and became a very influential jazz musician in Buffalo uh, that all the other jazz musicians looked up to and respected. And and while I was working, you know, and I met him several times and saw him play, and he was in his 90s, and he died in the middle of that. So I turned it into a documentary about his life. We took all the video, all the audio from the video, chopped it up so I could give it some good continuity, uh, which was my first real experience with digital editing. And uh, and it became a, doc- a radio documentary that was that went on the radio with, on a friend's uh, radio show in a public station who was about bebop. And it turns out that this guy, Al- Alan Tinney, was the founder of bebop. He was the arranger in these after hours clubs in Harlem that, you know, Charlie Parker and, uh, you know, and, and, and Monk and and uh, uh, Max Roach and all the, these great jazz legends, Dizzy Gillespie, would all go after in after hours after their gigs uptown. How cool. And uh, and he was the arranger and the band leader in this little after hours club. And that's where small combo jazz started to come around. And that's when, you know, you start to hear stuff like bebop. And he was the one that did a lot of the original charts on that. Yeah. And then he ended up in Buffalo. <laughs> so it was a great story. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it's a sort of a long story. You can go here and it's. Yeah. It was yeah. What is out, it? What is it? Out, it's called if they go to my if they go to my YouTube channel, it's 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 hiding there. OK. Uh, it's about Al Tinney, his his life in music, uh, you know, and of course he played piano through that. And I took the music bed that he created and put that behind all of the interviews, you know, the people who knew him. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait a second. If I can create all this sitting in my basement studio here, shouldn't I be able to do like the kind of voiceover work I used to do in radio. And I typed in voiceover in one of those early search engines. And like, you know, as I like to say, when Dorothy opens the door from her black and white farmhouse in Kansas and into the color of you know, Munchkin land, uh, that's where voiceover was. It was just starting to dawn as an internet based business. So I really got in the first wave of that, you know, about 2002, 2003. 
and uh, and doing it ever since. I mean, I was doing you know studio work and, and on air work, you know, for years before that. Um, but you know, the insurance business and then teaching just brought me to where I am today, and I really enjoy teaching voiceover, especially yeah. the the technological end of it, uh, working with people one on one and getting their sound the way it's supposed to be. That's well, it's so funny because I think a lot of people when they have a different if they've came from a different career or if they had a different right. hobby, they wind up utilizing those to their advantage in uh, the career of, of voiceover while pursuing this. I was curious when you had first kind of had the curiosity about voiceover and you were beginning your kind of online investigation around what what you could do or how you could get into it. Do you remember some of the resources you had found and what it had said to do when you were first doing your first like excavation was, of what to do? There was nothing. <laughs> I was, yeah, that's what I was kind of assuming. <laughs> I mean, there were, there was a couple of things. I mean, I, I you know, you know, I, I admittedly went to a Susan Berkeley thing in, uh, in Palm beach where I met people who I am still friends with today, who are just, you know, people who were you know, also getting in on the ground floor on this. She had no idea what she was talking about. And people would say, well, what kind of an interface should you use and what kind of a microphone? And she would go, uh, bleh, 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 bleh. well, you know, you could. And everybody would go, you know, like that. And, and that's I was one of the only people that understood how to record properly. <laughs> then the, the seminar took place in the opposite direction, in the opposite direction. right? <laughs> yeah. you know, and then she started inviting me to go talk to her people. And I'm like, yeah, you know. My my wife, you know, bless her heart, was like, you can't throw out, you know, 20 years of experience uh, without people should be paying you for your knowledge. So I put out a shingle as the home voiceover uh, studio master, and I've been doing that for 15 years. And the more you do, the more you learn about the individual, you know, eccentricities of every room. Every voice is different. Every room is different. I mean, and you and I work together and I took a good look at your studio. I'm like, OK, here's how we can improve this. And yeah, and I do it with my ears, which fortunately still work at my old age. Um, <laughs> you know, some some people, well, you need an acoustician or somebody who does all those calculations and, you know, and putting the foam in the right places. And I'm like, I, I you know, it's like pornography. I know it when I hear it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I got to say, too, Dan, I have gotten remarkably. I mean, obviously a lot of it is taking the the business seriously and, and having invested in the space that I have. But I've had studios legitimately tell me, you know, people I've never worked with before say you, they're like, what are, what are you recording from? Like, what, are, what is, what's going on? They're like, you have one of the best sounding rooms I've ever heard. And I obviously accredit a lot of that to you helping me navigate all this stuff and figuring out where to kind of like put the Lego pieces and to, to make that best thing. Because a lot of people think like, oh, let me just shove everything in my closet, get this tight little <laughs> box around the microphone so that there no sound can get in when in reality, that's like kind of the complete opposite of what you want to be doing. Uh, can you right. can and, and granted, I've I've had a lot of these studios call me in specifically because they know that I'm going to have a great sounding studio, especially when during the pandemic happening, uh, they needed somebody who they could rely on to record from home and not have to be like, okay, is there going to be a siren every five minutes or is there going to be, you know, a hum <laughs> or refrigerator, air conditioner, oh, yeah. whatever oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are some of the kind of 
things when somebody is deciding to invest in a home studio, uh, things that they should be aware of from like a financial standpoint and also from like a, a blueprint standpoint? What are kind of like the main things somebody should know or consider before they even make that first purchase on whatever it's going to be? Well, the most important thing is where are you going to record? Mm-hmm. Uh, the room is 90% of the quality of your audio. There's like no question about it. I mean, this is years and years of, well, I got a U87 or I got to get this microphone. I got to have this, you know, the Grace 101 interface. (laughs) None of that stuff has anything to do with performance. None of that's going to change the way you read copy, you know, or how you perform copy or your acting. It has nothing to do with that. Most engineers can't tell the difference between, you know, a 10,000. Well, maybe they might be able to tell a $10,000 microphone, but because you'll be hearing jets that are taking off in another county. Yeah. Uh, you know, the more expensive the equipment is, the more sensitive it is, the more sensitive it is, the more critical the environment in which you record. Mm. I mean, that's just basic logic. Um, but I, what I do is I teach people three basic things that they have to know. Three basic, you know, things about if you do these, master these three different things, which are mostly physical, the equipment doesn't really matter as much. You don't want cheap equipment. You don't you don't want to buy a studio condenser microphone under one hundred and fifty dollars. They're noisy. Uh, you don't buy combo units except for, you know, Rode makes a really nice combo unit with their their NT1 and the uh, and the A1A. A- a- yes. Interface. It's, it, you know, that's a great combo. But the other combos that, you know, Sweetwater and these other companies put together, you know, you know, there are certain things you should buy. Don't be convinced, you know, and big tip, if you're ever in, you know, Banjo Emporium uh, or one of the other big box places that sell, you know, musical gear and recording gear, don't tell them what you're doing. Like, oh, I'm setting up a voiceover studio. Don't do that. (laughs) They have no idea what they're talking about. There literally is a handful of people on God's green earth that truly understand what a home studio is. Mm-hmm. And most of them are not big studio engineers. They are used to working in very expensive, uh, professionally built environments that are acoustically neutral, acoustically sterile, and they're using $10,000 microphones because they have an acoustically neutral and acoustically sterile environment and the equipment to do it in. VoiceOver is is much simpler than that. You've Number the most important thing is the acoustical signature of the room you're in keeping noise out and preventing reflection those are two important things it's literally impossible to soundproof a house you know a room in a house mm. uh you know the, you've got furnace ac you got you know the clogging troop next door all these things that are going on um and you've got to be able to isolate yourself usually if you have an interior closet especially a walk-in closet that can serve as your your you know your 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 initial booth. Uh, that's saving you six thousand dollars right there. Yeah. Uh, if you're you're surrounded by clothes and you're in an internal closet, doesn't have an exterior wall. As long as everybody's not making noise in the house, that will serve serve you very very well. Um, or if you just have a room that's just really quiet, and I've met a lot of people that have really quiet rooms, and it's like, well, this is great. You know, you you live out in the country, or you know, the house, the room is in the back of the house and way off the street. That's really important. Uh, 
acoustical treating, there's no set rules about it, but there are things you can do and then you can tune the room to have minimal reflection. Um, and that's really important. That takes the skill of somebody who actually knows what they're doing. And like I said, not a lot of people understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, second is proper microphone technique. Um, now, I'm sure when you're doing voiceover, that's not how you have your microphone. No, this is just uh, the only way I can. The arm only goes so far, so I can't go <laughs> overhead. But behind me, where you can see, right. I am practicing some pretty decent mic technique as learned right. from you. Exactly. You know, I mean, my, my thing's right here. I can move it wherever I want to move it. Yeah. Uh, people don't understand how to use a, a studio condenser mic. Um, <laughs> you know, the, and, and so... There's a technique to it. You don't want to you don't want to be talking directly into it. Uh, you know, I, I say, you know, hang it upside down, have the, the diaphragm, you know, about at eye level. So your copy can be down and underneath. And by having it that way, and you can hear me as clear as a bell and I can go. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers and there are no plosives. Yeah. And it still sounds like me. And and there's a number of other psychoacoustical reasons for doing that, which is why anytime you walk into a professional studio, that's how they usually have the mic. Usually. Uh, usually. <laughs> you know, if they don't, I'm like, hey, what am I doing here? Uh -huh. uh, but people haven't been going into studios much. They really have to have a home studio now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's vital. The pandemic just, you know. George Whittem and I, you know, we, you know, we've been preparing for this all our lives because, mm -hmm. you know, we were we were busier than, uh, you know, Mark Cashman likes to say, a one legged guy at an ass kicking contest. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was pretty it was pretty nuts there for for a couple of years. Uh, yeah. And it still is. I mean, people still, you know, they want to get into voiceover or they're actors and they're trying, you know, they've been working in a studio all their lives. I'm like, well, I don't understand this recording thing. Okay, let me sit you down. Let me show you how to do this. So number two, number two of the three is proper microphone technique. People, you know, they they think you're supposed to talk into the mic like this. Um, you know, I I find that if you use a pop screen, it reminds you that you're on a microphone and you tend to talk louder, which is not the way it's supposed to be. You yeah. know, it's like if you got if you've got an unobstructed view of your copy and you can move your arms and stuff. That's going to make you nice and relaxed and be very conversational. So that's that's number two. Number three is setting proper input levels, which nobody understands for whatever reason. Um, but you know, there's a process to it. And I have a very simple way of teaching it that uh, you know, so that they're modulating properly and they don't have nice tiny little waveforms and they're not over modulating and they're giving an engineer who they send the audio to the headroom to be able to work with it. Yeah. And, and so if it's clean sounding, you're using your mic properly and you've got your level set, that's really all you're required to do. Yeah. So all these people saying, well, you got to use this processor and you got to use this and you got to use that and you got to do this and all these things. It's, it's, it's engineering nonsense. Uh, just because somebody uses it doesn't mean you have to use it. Yeah. And if your sound is clean, is, well, I, I have a, an acronym, WHISTLE, what it's supposed to sound like. Mm, I like that. And most people don't know what that is. You know, they're used to what they hear on the radio. And they're like, well, I'm supposed to sound like I'm on the radio. They don't realize that what goes on on the radio has nothing to do with how something was recorded. Yeah. Uh, that it goes through a transmitter and there's there's, there's 
processing in there to make the signal as loud as possible so it can throw as, as far as it can. Like, who listens to the radio anymore? Yeah, well. I mean, I do in my car, but you know, I like listening to classical music and I'll listen on the radio. But for the most part, people are listening to streaming music. Spotify, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's not heavily processed. You know, I listen to a, a streaming service called Radio Paradise. There's no processing on that. It's like you, you, you listen. It's like you're in the studio with the musicians, even though they recorded it 60 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just great stuff. So, you know, and I'm not an audio geek. You know, I'm not into the gear the way, say, George Whittem is. He's like constantly looking at like, yeah, OK, we look at this new board or look at this new piece of software. Well, like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. OK. <laughs> well, you have the nice balance between the both of you. And that's what I've always found helpful about your podcast because it's it's a balance of understanding like exactly what you were just saying at the end of the day what a casting director or producer director whoever is listening to the audition being sent in ultimately what they're listening for is if this person is recording from home can i use what they send me in the final product and their performance and i feel like there's especially with a lot of people who are doing the marketing, they're trying to manipulate people to think that you can fix performance or create performance by buying things, specifically gear or, you know, uh, certain chains of compression and things like that. When it, you have to start with the performance and then you can move to tweaking little tiny things if you need to. But ultimately there's a big... Ah, oh, gosh, it, 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 a manipulation to a degree of uh, aspiring voiceover actors who get kind of roped into like, I got to buy this, 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 I got to buy this. When at the end of the day, the thing you should probably really be buying is an acting class and somebody who can just <laughs> teach you the teach you the, the fundamentals, like what you're what you just presented to us. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and people get lost in a lot of that minutia of, uh, you know, I've got to make myself sound great. Well, You've probably heard me say this before. The idea of a home voiceover studio is not to make you sound great. It's yeah. to make you sound like you mm -hmm. as you exist. That's what they're hiring. Uh, they're not uh, they're not they're not hiring people because because you, you're a great producer. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes they'll hire me because they know I can edit and do certain things. And there's certain types of genre material that they know I can do. Sure. I like I tell people I've been doing this since the Nixon administration. Maybe, you know, maybe I know something. <laughs> um, but people who are just starting out don't may not know a lot of these these subtle things. And like we say, it's supposed to sound a certain way. We hear this term broadcast quality an awful lot. And I've come to the conclusion that there's no such thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's what people describe us. Well, it sounds like it's on TV. It's like, well, that's got nothing to do with what goes on here. Yeah. I think what they're talking about as far as quality audio is concerned is it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are plenty of things that can make audio sound bad. The idea is that you whatever, however you record it. You just want them to hear your voice. You do not want anything that distracts the listener from your performance. Mm. They don't want hiss in the background. They don't want the sirens in the background. They don't want the dog barking or babies crying or a low frequency hum that's raising your noise floor to minus 20. Uh, you know, things along those lines. 
And if you record right up front, if you set your, your situation up right, you don't have to rely on a lot of technology to clean it up because you're recording right in the first place. And yeah. that's essentially what I teach. And uh, you know, a lot of other people don't teach that because they're recording engineers and they teach people what they know, mm-hmm. which has very little to do with voiceover. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it. it it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Exactly. And, and, you know, and I enjoy and I enjoy it when people, you know, get their studio together and they book work. Uh, that's the fun part. Yeah. I th- what there are a lot of people who I think have the odds stacked against them when they are trying to uh, start voiceover because they've got either a baby or they've got animals or they've got they live in that busy area. So I I can I understand and sympathize with the people who have to use things like denoisers or limiters, whatever it might be. What are some of the things that you feel like? Okay. You're you're not able to create the ideal environment for whatever reason, finances or just simply where you live. What are the things that you recommend to people that you're like, okay, I I, I can co-sign on this. Okay, well, I've I mean, my philosophy on this has changed a little bit over the years. I mean, I've I've, I've thought about it, and I see what other people use. You know, people who do live work who have to do remote live remote sessions, yeah, they've got to have some front end processing. Mm-hmm. But that's you know a minuscule percentage of people doing voiceover. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are the cream of the crop people that are, you know, on call all the time. Uh, you know, the Joe Ciprianos and uh, 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 John Bailey and, and people like you, uh, you know, who have to, you know, it's like, hey, we need you to do these things. We need to update this promo, you know, that sort of thing. Those people need to have those things and those need to be set up by a professional. So there's a consistent sound that the studio that they're recording to always knows what they're going to get. Consistency. If you're just re- yeah, right. Exactly. If you're if you're just somebody who is sending out auditions or just doing you know project work, uh, and you've you've got to quiet it down, most of the stuff you need is in the software, which has gotten really really good. Uh, I use Adobe Audition. It has noise reduction strategies in it that work really well. I've been producing a number of podcasts for other people who know nothing about audio <laughs> and they, they don't listen. I'm like, look, you, you know, I give them the same routine. Okay. You got recording a quiet space. You know, if you're doing a, you know, a, a phone interview with somebody make sure, you know, and they're in midtown Manhattan, make sure they close the windows because I don't want to hear the traffic on fifth Avenue and the sirens constantly going. Can you remove that? Gives me like war stories for me hearing yeah. that type of stuff. I'm like, I left New York. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> yeah. LA is actually a little quieter. Yeah, um, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is people don't know and they think that, well, can you perform a miracle? I'm like, yes, I can be an alchemist and I can do certain things using Adobe Audition. There are some great noise uh, cancellation strategies in there, mm-hmm. but you got to know how to use them and you have to understand what point does a certain process degrade your sound mm. and, you know, makes it somewhat unusable to an engineer? Because once it's screwed up, not a whole lot you can do about it, which is why I always believe that everything should be done in post. Uh, Adobe Audition has a lot of the has those features to do that. Uh, even something simple like Twisted Wave has noise reduction features that work really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I say. You know, do you the best you can to isolate yourself and have the best acoustical environment. If you can't, don't over, don't over process stuff to try and get a sound that you that you want. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's really important. Uh, but learn how to use some presets and listen and have somebody else who's not working on the project listen to the audio and go, that's acceptable. Yeah. And that's something you offer on your website, which is how I even got to work with you when I first did. I said you have a thing where you can send in a specimen, as you call it. And uh, and I have an actual specimen collection cup on the the top of my home page. I love it. But that was how I kind of got hooked up with you. And I realized, okay, this is someone who understands exactly the thing. Because as we were kind of joking about earlier, I remember when I first started out and I went to like B&H when I lived in New York. And I was trying to, you know, this was, I guess, 10 years ago at this point. And trying to talk to them about voiceover, you know, it's people, these are more than likely, these are like college kids too, you know, a very rare chance there's somebody who is actually a specialist, even in anything, whether it's a musician or not, but working in voiceover is so specific and unique to anything else that uses a microphone. That's why, you know, I sent in mine to yours and just understanding what, you know, certain breakdowns for auditions will tell you, we want your levels between here and here. And they'll explicitly say, do not do any post-processing we want to hear it the way that it's going to sound if we book you and right. that's why working with you is so important and i think for anybody looking to get started it's so important because when you send that audition into a studio that's asking for those parameters if they are not good they're instantly going to write you out and why would and you want to right. you might be the most talented person in the world but if you can't do what's required on the day of the recording the booking when they're in extremely tight turnarounds why not just do the things at the bare minimum that can help you send in something that's, uh, I don't want to say listenable, but usable for, for their right, absolutely for their production. So that's what I find so important. What is, um, what are the type of things that you're you're adjusting for people? Is it most likely like where they're positioned, where their gains at? The things we kind of talked about when you're working with someone, or they send you in a sample. Right. Yeah. And 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 yeah. And I and I will review it and say, okay, you know, it's. Your noise floor is a little loud. Where are you recording? How is you know what? How are you setting your levels? How are you positioned to your microphone? You know, and and then I work with them. You know, I love doing you know home visits, yeah. which you've been able to experience, which yeah. turn into long conversations about stuff that have very little to do with the, <laughs> uh, you know with you know, your home studio because it's like okay, do this, do that. Okay, fine. So what are you working on? Yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then. Um, I work with people on Zoom, and I've been able to successfully teach people on Zoom because I can hear what they're putting out from their studio. And I'm like, okay, how are you addressing your microphone? Okay, it should be like this. And and, and we fine-tune it until it sounds you know, up to, up to my standards. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really you know, what the standards should be. You know, I'm not saying well, I wrote the standards. Well, actually, I sort of did. Uh, one of the things we did with World Voices is well, I was vice president of technical standards, and I created a committee of other recording engineers to discuss what should be the parameters for digital voiceover audio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll mention a few names here. Uncle Roy Yokelson, yep. Cliff Zellman, uh, George Whittem. Uh, and, uh, Joe Van Riper, who was, who was there, um, and, you know, and since then Jordan Reynolds and, and a few others. And we very, very quickly came up with what we thought the standard should be. Mm-hmm. And th- and we have those on our website. And when people send in to get their studio, we say approved, we're not official, officially an educational organization at Wovo. 
Uh, but we, we do approve the studio. This is a professional studio. You know that if you work with this person, audio is not going to be an issue. Yeah. And it goes to those standards. And, and it's those three things I was talking about. And, uh, you know, of course, you throw it to the engineers like, ah, I can work with that. I can throw some noise reduction on it. Like, yeah, I can work with that. That's every cocky engineer in the business. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Got a great set of chops. I yeah. can work with them. Just you record know, it on your right. iPhone. I'll fix it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm too much of a purist. I'm old school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's you do it right up front. I was I was thinking about this last night. It's like, you know, you got all these people who are like, yeah, there's all this technology and stuff. And, you know. I don't want people reaching for the technology right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Learn the basics, do it right, play with the other stuff to see you know how it affects your audio. Really, all that stuff is for room correction, or if you've got you know a certain noise that you've got to t- filter out of there, or something along those lines. But really, all the stuff that that mostly is going out these days, you know, with all the narration material and e-learning and you know, instructional stuff, you know, especially um, compliance videos. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, they're so boring. Um, <laughs> having been on the, the receiving end of several of those in the insurance business, um, you know, th- these are things that people need to do properly. Yeah. And make the job of the engineer easier. Mm-hmm. That's like, uh, I, I mean, as much as people say, you know, eat the green apple to stop your mouth clicks. I mean, when you're sometimes either sending in an audition or you're working with a client, you know, that's, oh, do we have a, a, a remedy here? Right? What well, is this? I've got alcohol. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this, this stuff works great. You know, yeah. You mix it 20, 20 to 1 in a little spray bottle like this and you go, you swish it around, you spit it out. And all of a sudden, all your mouth noise is gone. Oh, that is amazing. And, and that's going to defeat the entire thing I was going to say right now, but I'll say it <laughs> well, anyway. Go, go ahead. Anyway. The cosmetic. Well, the Granny Smith Apple thing. Is yeah, well, a popular and, one. but the Granny Smith Apple, sure. Even just drinking water, I've found to be helpful for me. Like, some, you're just not drinking oh, absolutely. water Stay before a yeah. yeah, hydration, people, is like, that's like golden rule number one. You got to be hydrated the night before and when you're doing it, but. A mouth declicker I have found to be a cosmetic remedy that I will absolutely play with when I need to, if I need to, if I did a, a long session and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like re-recording that, I'll just go in there with the mouth declicker, and that's a cosmetic fix. It's not fixing anything that is uh, hopefully going to ruin the integrity of the, the, the WAV file or change the performance. Yeah, no, no. And, yeah. and look at this. This thing... Really cheap. It's like twenty bucks a bottle. It'll last you five, ten years. Yeah, and 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 you you do that, and then you don't have to have to worry about that. Your the mouth noise goes away. Yeah, and that's something people. I mean, Nimjum is something a lot of people use. You know, for there's there are these things that you can buy and use. I mean, I've got a a voice straw sitting right in front of me. Anything you can do to when you get in to the booth to record your job to not have to rely on the post processing. I think is like what you're saying do it all up front be sure you're ready in there and not be like all right here i am ready to record and i'm going to give this engineer a nightmare of a job editing it and then he's going to tell the director you know working with this person is a lot of work for me you know i gotta get rid of nose knocks mouth clicks it's like can we talk to this person you don't want to be that person getting sat down by your director saying what's going on here 
Right. Yeah. And and don't hit a taco truck before you do a session either. So. <laughs> stomach <laughs> stomach grumbling like a like a, a, a truck a garbage truck yeah. before you yeah. go in. Spicy into. food, not good for voice. Yeah. What? So I I would be remiss to not talk about this despite kind of our. Uh, our, our purest mentality we've been having, but what are the, if you have to, because obviously you need a microphone, you obviously need right. an interface, what are the things for people, I know budget is always a huge question, but what are the things you, you have found that you are recommending a lot to people of the technological necessities that we, we need to do the job? Uh, I, you know, I, I hate having to mention specific brands, but I already did. Um, you know, Rode makes great microphones. You know, you can buy a Neumann. They make great microphones, uh, but a great microphone isn't necessarily what you want. Yeah. Because, like I said, the more expensive, the higher quality, you know, whatever that means, uh, the microphone, the more sensitive it is. And again, the more critical the environment in which you're working. So you don't need a super duper sensitive microphone, but a Rode NT1 and the companion interface that they make for that, the AI1, which has got lots of gain. Um, it's a lot of people, uh, you know, people doing animation and, uh, and promo work and gaming and things like that, where they have to get really loud and not a lot of interfaces have limiters on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have been going to you know, like using the Apollo twin, uh, from universal audio, very, very expensive, uh, very complicated. If you have no idea how to record you don't start there. As someone who has one, <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can set up a lot of stuff up front, but you've got to know how to set that stuff up and you've got to know what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. And it's, you've really got to bring a professional engineer to set that up for you and then, you know, and then save them. So, you know, how many times have I gotten calls in the middle of the night? I rebooted my computer and all my presets are gone. A hundred percent. Oh, well, you know, I've um, had it happen a ton to me. And then we have to have a moment where your engineers connecting to your computer and they're trying to figure out why this thing's not working or turning off this thing or your virtual input. So way more complicated work than you need if you don't know how to use it. Exactly. And so all this expensive equipment means nothing if you know how to use it. Exactly. And it takes years to learn that Mm -hmm. so you know i mean you can take the time to learn that but you're taking time away from learning how to create characters how to maintain a character how to you know to understand the who what where why and when of who are you talking to and when are you talking to them and all those sorts of things that go into performance that really set you apart from everybody else yeah you know if your audio is okay the rest of that is you know it's not really that critical um You've got to be able to. You, you don't want your audio to be in the way. Yeah. You you if you if you get the right stuff up front. That's why I say something like a Rode NT1, or and and the the AI1, or a Focusrite 2i2, and uh, Audio Technica makes a 2035 and the 4040. I, I mean, there's a lot of microphones out there. You just don't want to go top shelf right off the bat. You don't need yeah. a Ferrari. You know, the thing is, is, if you get a Ferrari, you have to have a really nice garage for it. Yes, uh, yes. So, you know, if you're going to get a really expensive mic, you have to have a really expensive environment in which to use it. Yeah. So so keep it super duper simple and, you know, don't spend more than $500 initially. I mean, you'll probably end up spending more on trying to build a booth or setting up, you know, the you know the room that you're recording in. Um, but, you know, I've, I, I, I can walk into a room and I'm like, okay, 
We don't have to worry about the exterior noise. How do we acoustically get a dead sounding room in here? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and I provide that type of service and get people sounding that way. No, that's, uh, I think, exactly what a lot of people are going to be faced with is that exact problem. What about uh, headphones-wise? Because that's actually becoming something for me that, you know, as I sit here wearing, you know, the... Aerodynamics. The bear, yeah, like <laughs> I, you know, depending upon your interface, sometimes you don't get enough uh, volume game out of your interface and you can't hear yourself as well. Like, is there a certain headphone that you... And, and this is something I've been doing more, too, because of the pandemic. A lot of studios aren't necessarily offering headphones. They ask you to bring your own um, or if you're recording at your own place you want to make sure you can hear everybody talking and also you're not getting bleed from the playback you know they've become way more of something I've noticed or been conscious of than I would have thought what about for you have you had experience with certain uh, headphones that you really enjoy wearing or, or you would recommend well, to people well I I mean generally I you know I only use headphones when I have to do interviews like this uh-huh um, I, I don't listen to myself when I'm recording. I listen to myself in my head and in the environment in which I'm recording. I find that if you, you know, I, the fact that I'm talking this close to the mic, it's like, oh, because I can hear my voice. You know, <laughs> if, I, if I took off the headphones, I'd just start talking like this and I wouldn't sound that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, you, tend to, you tend to get into the sound of your own voice, which is not a good thing. Very true. Um, you do need headphones if you're going to be doing a remote session, which you do a lot of. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be able to hear the director. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you want to be able to get good fidelity on, on the back end when you're when you're doing your editing and stuff. I normally I have a pair of very good Yamaha H2 studio monitors in here, and that's what I listen listen to stuff on because it gives me back exactly what I recorded. Yes. Uh for but for headphones you want something that is very flat. You don't want to get stuff with, you know, Dr. you know, Dr. Beats that give you extra bass <laughs> or anything like that. You want something that's totally flat. Yes. And I've, I I use these Harlan Hogan uh signature series headphones mm. that are very flat. Yeah. And it and it just I just hear what I sound like. There's a Another pair of headphones I have that were from, uh, from uh, what's the name of this company? Uh, uh, Direct Sound. They okay. make these headphones, uh, extreme isolation headphones. They're made for drummers. Uh, they look like it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and those work really well. Nice. Those are they're very flat. They they you hear what you sound like. Yeah. And that's what's most important. Now, some people say oh, I got to wear headphones so if I hear a mouth click, I can stop and make an edit, and I'm like. Boy, are you being inefficient. Yes. Uh, you know, but people have their habits and they do things the way they've always done, always done them. And, you know, it's hard to change those things. But I have freed many people from their headphones and they're like, why didn't I do this five years ago? You know, I feel so much freer, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's, I, a lot of times when I am recording here, I don't use headphones because I do have exactly what you're talking about, where you have the consciousness of hearing your own voice and then you feed into kind of like whatever the, you're more concerned about the sound. I once, recently I did a session at a studio and almost like 98% of the time at a studio, they're, they're, not that they're making you wear headphones, but when you're trying to hear the director back at least. So what I would do is, 
was I would do one on, one off. So I could still hear myself normally and hear them if they have a note. That was always my right. game. I uh, went to yeah, a, that, that, that's always a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. If so long as there's not playback, that's going to bleed or whatever. But I, I was right. in the studio and we were doing a, a, a live or an interactive video game and they're like, oh, no, no, no. There's no headphones here. Everything comes through the, the speakers. A, a squawk box. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was like, oh, wait, so even to hear back the director's notes, they're like, yeah, no, we're not doing any headphones here. And it was so alarming and freeing at the same time because I was, like, so concerned with, like, you know, having to do this video game that's very active type of stuff. And I'm like, okay, now I have the freedom to do that. But also now I'm hearing myself different than I normally do. So having the practice of being like, yes, don't rely on the sound you hear in your ears all the time was kind of if you don't practice that it could be extremely jarring on a if you're a brand new voice actor on a job i i totally agree and that's you know headphone there's a place for them the problem is is that people who are getting into voiceover they look up pictures of people doing voiceover on the internet and none of those are pictures of people doing voiceover they're singers yeah 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 <laughs> you know where they you know they, they got their headphones on and they're like really working the mic yeah yeah that's what it is. And, that, and people relate that as being part of voiceover, and it's not. Bizarre, bizarre. I would, I would love to uh, let you go very shortly, but I want to I, I talk just a quick second about VOBS uh, for people who may not know about it. Voiceover Body Shop uh, that you also do tech talk on where you talk about specific gear that comes in. What is, uh, for, for someone who doesn't know, what would be the summarization of what VOBS is and what is kind of – you know, having done this for now, you said 11 years, what is the most exciting part about it now that keeps it so enjoyable and fresh for you? Well, I, I think it's the actual name, V-O-B-S. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you have to listen to George Woodham and I talk. I mean, we finish each other's sentences. Yeah. We have, you know, he comes from a very technological background and uh, I come from a performance background, but also technological, at least recording right. And he makes things very complex and I make things very simple. And we have met in the middle and we've agreed on what makes it easy for someone to do voiceover from their home studio mm-hmm. and what are and how to how to troubleshoot it. And but how to set up right in the first place to minimize your problems on the back end. But we also have guests on like like Paul Castro uh, talking about their experience of you know moving to L.A. and what what to expect when you come here to try and be a voice actor. And, uh, uh, you know, th- there's a common theme that usually comes out. And that's when you interview some of the great people. We've had Tom Kenny on the show and Maurice LaMarche and uh, uh, you know, Lori Allen and you know, some of the some of the great animation voices, uh, Bill Farmer, all these great people. The story is always the same. I got an opportunity and I was able to deliver. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the most important thing. You're, it's all preparation, 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 training, get knowing your knowing your craft. When the opportunity presents itself, when you get a call back or something like that, or you get you book a gig, you're there, you're pro. There's nothing wrong with what you do. Mm-hmm. And you take direction well or the director goes, oh, I don't have to say anything. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, this person has it. Yeah. You know, they've got the charisma. They got they got what it takes to do what we need them to do. And you're pleasant to them. And I've heard that over and over and over and over again. You know, and, and it, 
and it's fun meeting them. I met some great people, uh, you know, people who I'm now friends with. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's the, the greatest thing. That's the, I think probably one of the most fun parts about living in LA is you'll be watching a movie and it's like, Hey, there's so-and-so. Yeah. Hey, I see him. Or you're watching TV. Oh, there's, you know, there's Scott Parkin. And you, and you immediately, you know, get on your, Hey, Scott, saw you on this, you know, that ad or something like that. That's always fun. That's, you know, it's great to see other people succeed and, and, and do what they do best. And I think that's one of the great things about voiceover is we don't look at each other as competition. We look at each other as snowflakes. There's work for everybody. Everybody's unique. And, and that's the way it should be. The people who are doing it well, I believe, have that mentality where as people who are from a, a mentality of lack may not, but the people who are the pros and the people that you talk to, I think that's the, like you said, the commonality. It's, you know, just be you and be unique and be talented. And, and there is plenty of work for people. I think that's important for people to understand. Yep. Amazing. Uh, we always end the show with asking somebody, it doesn't have to be related to voiceover, the career, the industry at all. Okay. As the nature of our show is points of experience, was there ever a uh, an experience you had, a saying, somebody told you a quote, something you read, uh, even just in life, something that was an experience you had that changed you or, or made you think about life or your career or things a certain way that you think sharing uh, with our audience would be insightful? Yeah, you know, I think it's when you know when I was in radio when I when I first graduated from college and got into radio, and realized like in voiceover, it ain't art. There is an art to what you do. You are a skilled artist as a voice artist or a voice actor. It's a business. You know, you your business is to sell those skills that you have. Yeah, and uh, and and manage yourself in a professional manner. That's really, really what's most important. Uh, you know, everybody can you know become an actor, but you've got to be nice to other people. You have to present yourself in a professional way, and realize that it's a business. You make money doing this, and you know the idea isn't to you know to make the most money. You make it's to make a living, and if you're really good, you do better than just making a living. You get to live in, in an expensive place like Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> As long as you can, you know, the people who were really riding the, uh, the, you know, the, the gravy train, you know, 25, 30 years ago, you know, they're all trying to still make their mortgage payments because they lost so much work when the internet came along. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can make a living doing voiceover, but you gotta understand the business and how to market yourself. And, you know, and to me, that's always been the hallmark of, of, you know, what made, you know, made me do my career. And I always concentrated on the business end. And the technological. And, uh, and I think people need to understand that and take that professional attitude towards what they do. Amazing. And I think a lot of what you said can be found and further enforced if you check out world-voices.org, I believe is the correct address. World-voices.org. Got it. And yeah. your and, personal and website. Course, right. My personal website is, well, I've got, you know, there's danleonard.com, Leonard with no O. Uh, there's homevoiceoverstudio.com. Boy, I got in on early on that one. Heck yeah, that's Every, gotta be worth a fortune. All the home studio guys are like, uh, <laughs> gotta work on that. Uh, there's, you know, world-voices.org and of course, voiceover body shop, which is vobs.tv, where all of the 10,000 episodes, well, it's not that many. Uh, we've done, 
So we just did Tech Talk number 86 and episode number 236. So you do the math. Yeah. Since we've been in L.A. And we started this back when I was in Buffalo and George was in Santa Monica, uh, which is why we called it East West Audio Body Shop. So when I came out to L.A., it's like, well, how about just voiceover body shop? My (laughs) comedian friend said, V-O-B-S. And so that's where we are. And it just works. It's a fun show to do. And George and I just have a riot doing it. It's one of my favorites. I've listened to hundreds of episodes. You were one of the integral parts of me being at the place where I'm at right now. Um, You know, I've talked about this so much on the show already. But I, when I was getting started, the only thing that I could like feasibly think to do because so much of this career is out of your control was to fill my ears with people and things and conversations around the career I was trying to get into. VOBS was a big part of that. Obviously, Crispin Freeman's podcast, which we've talked about before, you know, Rob Paulson's podcast, but VOBS was something that was giving me a different aspect of the industry that nobody else was talking about. And I, you know, Episode after episode after episode, I was always learning something new, and it's um, it's it's no mistake why I've been able to find success because I've been looking to other people who are successful, hearing what they're doing, hearing what they're not doing, and trying to make that feasible or usable for my career. So that's a, just a big yeah. thank you for me for everything you and George have been doing. Well, we, we really appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate you listening, and we appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell people about it. Heck yes, heck yes. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure, as always. we got to get together again real soon. And, Absolutely. Uh, now we can. We can actually like talk to each other in restaurants and stuff. I know. So, yes, let's, <laughs> let's make sure that happens really quickly. Everybody, right. please check out all of the links we talked about. They'll be in the show notes. Of course, you know the deal. But I highly recommend, if you're interested in voiceover, get your, get your room listened to by Dan, not to make this a plug right now, but I'm telling you, it is so important and it's going to relieve a stress that so many people have about pursuing this industry. Just do yourself the favor, invest in the things that are smart. Don't buy the gimmick stuff. Like, do the important things, learn the basics, make sure you're set up for good. And Dan is a perfect person to do that. So that's my co sign. Um, Dan, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll have to have you on again real soon. Paul, it's always a pleasure. Great, great seeing you again. You heard it straight from the master. Stop worrying about all that stuff. Gosh, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on and gracing us with all of your infinite wisdom about undoing all of the crap that most of us do. It's not about buying the fancy stuff. It's about investing in what is required and then your performance. What makes you unique? Dan is... I think one of the only people who can make, you know, like doing your ABCs sound so important. And that's what it comes down to in voiceover is, hey, hey, I know you're worried about which interface to get, but where's your microphone placed? Okay, let's let's work on that because that's going to fix one, two, three, and four problems that you think you have. And ultimately understanding that buying a bunch of stuff isn't going to fix your problem unless it's like sound panels because that might fix a lot of problems. Making sure your room is acoustically treated will be the majority of what people need to focus on in their careers. And Dan has done that for me, and I highly recommend you check out his website. You can get hooked up with him, and I I only would recommend somebody working with somebody that I have personally done, which I have on multiple occasions, and I know it works. So if you're looking to invest your money on things rather than spending a 
ton of money on an expensive microphone or interface or whatever. I would rather spend my money on that and let him tell you the things you may or may not need to buy. Or maybe the things you can sell so you can buy other stuff that you need to buy. Dan is so great. Uh, VOBS, like I said, one of the best podcasts out there. So make sure you check out all of their videos. Go through the history. If you're serious about voiceover and making this a career, I listen to so many episodes daily, weekly, monthly. And there's a whole library there for anything you might be curious about. Um, Although ultimately, it's the basics. And stop worrying about all the intricate things. They do talk about some of those pieces of gear they review they've reviewed there's there are practical things like is this a quality product is it going to hold up is my investment worth it is it going to break in five minutes you know those are like important questions and they talk about all of that so dan thank you so much vobs danleonard.com uh world hyphen voices.org and home voice Thank you, Dan, and stick around, everybody. We will see you next week, as always. Review us, subscribe to us. Um, You know, all of those things help on Spotify and YouTube. Let your friends know about it, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye!